0: Uh, When it comes to designing a video production workflow, it's about creating a customized video production checklist. What are all the actions that you're doing in your business that you need to be keeping track of? And most content creators, most content creating entrepreneurs, especially when you've been into this for a while and now you're in the process of wanting to build a team, you know what to do, but you don't know how to take what are the things that you're doing The things that you actively remember to do and the things that you just like your muscle memory kicks in because maybe you've been doing it for so long or you've done it so many times that you just natively do certain things that you would honestly forget to tell somebody else that you're doing. Welcome to the Video Simplify Podcast, where I help you simplify the video creation process to help you reach wider and connect deeper with the people that need you the most. From learning to use your camera to simplifying video strategy to help you grow your brand and share your vision using video. So let's jump right into today's episode. What is up entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Video Simplified Podcast with me, your hostess, the mostess, Diana Gladney. This week, I want to talk about video systems. So often I'm having conversations with solo entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, content creating entrepreneurs, not everybody has multiple employees, not everybody has where they may have a video editor, assistant, thumbnail person, which are the positions that we filled out in the company, but I don't think everybody, for the most part, they're still doing a lot themselves. And whether that's from the belief of I can do it all or I don't want to pay somebody to do that, I believe is not the right way to go about things because it's just not the best use of your time at this point in the game. It's really not. You had all through 2020, 2021, maybe 2022 to get it together. And I think most people at least have a VA or something. But not really a video editor. And even when you do, you don't have the systems and the processes and stuff of how to work with one effectively and well and constantly be improving on things uh, with your video editor, build like a good and strong relationship. So that stuff is better, not just your content, uh, but the the working relationships and again, your systems and all that. And you guys know me. I love systems and efficiencies, and I love to constantly refine them so that they can get better and better and better. So I want to break down with you How can you actually build if you don't already have one, you have stuff that you know what to do, but you don't know how to transition that so that you can delegate this work off your plate and earn back some of the time that you have so that you can go and focus on the things that only you can do because somebody else can edit your videos. It's not something, it's not for most people, 99.99% of people, it's not where, it's, it's like, it's not that special. I hate to say it, but it's like you can have somebody else do it. There's very few things where you can't, right? So, we're gonna cover this as we always love to do three points. And our main point number one is designing a video production workflow. Video production happens in three phases your pre production, your production, and your post production. It's the same as with anything beginning, middle, and end. So, the pre production is all the stuff that you do. Before you record, so this could include the planning, the scripting, the storyboarding, creation, if you will. Sometimes I'm not a sketcher, but it it does help to kind of draw out what you're seeing. For me, it's not a drawing out what I'm seeing. It may be audio, uh, doing an audio recording of what I'm imagining, and so that's why I have it on my on my phone. I have it on my watch, my Apple Watch. Uh, as a quick action to start a voice memo. Or you can say to the A-L-E-X-A or the Google Assistant to start a voice memo or a voice note or something like that. And then you capture your ideas. I have quick actions and stuff set on the computer so that I can take uh, my ideas and log them over into Apple Notes. That's what I, I capture all my ideas and but I'll put it over in Apple Notes. And so there's uh, easy ways to do that. I talk about that, as you, you know, it's coming in my book, The One Right Video. And so that's now available. Again, it's been a bestseller on Amazon and I'm super proud uh, of this. But I talk about that in my my setup of how I, I go through that process. So you have your your pre-production phase. Then your production phase, this is the active recording. So if I was having a camera off to the side and doing a BTS or behind the scenes, then you would see it would be like the active filming, the equipment setup, the lighting considerations, if you will. What are the things I need to consider based on the time of day I'm recording, um, the where I'm recording. So it's different if I was to record a podcast, for example, in my hotel room and the stuff that I'm using versus what I'm using now in my regular home studio. And so understanding what are the things that you need to do for that. I feel like for the most part, everybody kind of has that dialed in, at least within the Video simplified community, Um, But if you're new to video and all this stuff is new to you, you may not. And the first thing is always like with that aspect, just a a quick pro tip here, what you invest in and use for your audio, your lighting and your video, at least to start with, that's not the whole equation because I've talked about the Alvis hierarchy of investments where it's the what order you need to buy stuff in to make sure you're buying an efficient system and set up. And I talked about that in a previous episode of how I build out my creator kits so that you are building a system. I highly encourage you to check that episode out. But when you're going through that pre-production phase, what are all the things that you need in order for you to execute and doing what you're doing. Then you have the post-production, and this can include the editing, any audio presets or enhancements and stuff like that, maybe removing uh, background noise using a tool uh, like Authonic or something like that. If you use, like, if it's a podcast, for example, and you use a a site like Buzzsprout, you can pay, I think it's anywhere from maybe an extra five to maybe 10 bucks a month, maybe eight uh, of what, They'll do it. They'll basically have an aphonic built in specifically for podcasting and it fixes all that stuff. And so you don't have to do any of that stuff. It'll automatically do it for you. Just a little add on to your plan. So that could be included in the post productions because technically you could just upload the whole finished audio and just put it right in Buzzsprout. And don't worry about the, the leveling of the audio and all that other stuff. So that could be something. But the post-production generally consists of like the editing, like I said, the audio enhancements and any color grading. So, for example, one of the things that I've done in my business is already uh, added we add the LUT in in Ecamm Live because you can do that. So you don't have to necessarily do anything else. It's already there. So that's the other thing. Uh, When it comes to designing a video production workflow, it's about creating a customized video production checklist. What are all the actions that you're doing in your business that you need to be keeping track of? And most content creators, most content creating entrepreneurs, especially when you've been into this for a while, and now you're in the process of wanting to build a team, you know what to do, but you don't know how to take what are the things that you're doing The things that you actively remember to do and the things that you just like your muscle memory kicks in because maybe you've been doing it for so long or you've done it so many times that you just natively do certain things that you would honestly forget to tell somebody else that you're doing. They'd have to watch you or you screen record yourself in order to do that. And that's what I record. One of the things I request that people are doing when you're creating SOPs in your company or your standard operating procedures, which is if you don't know what you're doing, you need to, number one, track your time to see and figure out where your time is going. So I recommend using a program called like Toggle Track. And that way you can track and see like right now saying recording the video simplified podcast. So at that point, I know I'm recording the podcast and for how long it took me to execute on X number of uh, uh, episode length. So I can see if I went over based on you know my content quadrant and what I intended to do for that episode or what, even for regular videos, I do the same thing. So track your stuff from an hour to hour, minute by minute thing, and you're just typing it in and then look at the report to see what are you maybe wasting time in, spending a little bit more time that you shouldn't be, or that you might need to delegate out to a virtual assistant. But after that, and you now need to transition to what you know to do and how long you're taking to do, screen record the stuff. So in a regular work week, you're going to actively do whatever it is that you normally do. Set a screen recorder. You don't need to have the camera on. You can use something like QuickTime. You can use something by TechSmith. Uh, It's a screen recorder. Or you can use Ecamm Live. I use Ecamm Live for a ton of stuff. Not just for course creation, regular videos, shorts, podcasts, what I'm recording this in right now, Ecamm Live. But when I'm doing training tutorials in the business, that's what I do it on. I record it, screen record it, describe what I'm doing and my thought process behind it, upload that, and that that now becomes a task For my assistant to review, it becomes now a written SOP because we have a a template in the system uh, in our business that they can always go to, copy that, and start taking and listening to what I'm doing, not just on the how and the seeing it, but now we have a written and a video version of the SOP. Unless it's sensitive information, those video SOPs almost never need to be edited. And the reason why I use Ecamm Live for those recordings instead of QuickTime, is because Ecamm has a pause button. And as simple as that sounds, there's plenty of times where I'll say, okay, pause, like I'm probably gonna do in this episode to take a drink of water and stuff like that, and then hit resume, smile and hold, and resume the recording. So the last part of this designing your video production workflow is ensuring you have consistency in the quality. Most people know what they feel and what it looks like to have a quote unquote good or great or excellent video but they don't know how to really quantify that in the business. They don't know how to have it be duplicatable. They don't know how to explain the, what they, they're doing and how they feel and what they want so that you have that consistent executed product that looks, sounds the same all the time. This is why it's super helpful. Technically, I would say turn this into a live stream. I've done this in the past. Those videos always have gone on to do well or we turn this into a, a, a video on the channel where if I'm doing like a community live stream or something like that, then I'll record and I'm explaining similar to how I would do an SOP video. Then when I'm doing that training video or for this one, it could be for the editing. What, what's my thought process? What am I looking for? What's the vibe of this video when I was I was thinking through it, when I was planning it? What's the vibe? What's the essence? What am I looking for? But it's not just the feeling. And so you have an emotional response, but even knowing how to get to that using storytelling elements, But explaining the more technical stuff, there's something I learned from Sean Cannell is called the grandma rule, which is if the audio is too loud that it would annoy grandma or someone's grandmother, then it's too loud. But I altered that slightly because I'm not editing for a grandmother. What I am editing for is my ideal target audience. And so for our avatar in the business, uh, then when we're talking to, so our avatar's name is Streamline Steve. And so it's like, what would Steve think? What would Steve think? Would this annoy Steve when he's trying to learn something, this uh, crop factor equation and understanding that or lens and how that works with his lenses and how far he needs to sit away from the camera? Stuff like that. If we're going through those mathematical equations and that's frustrating for him to have to listen to and figure out, then we're not doing that at all. We're going to cut the music down or we're going to turn it off completely. And so we're setting these parameters of when we're getting into technical stuff, fade to close the music out. We can resume that a different part, but get rid of it. Or if it's a, an emotional storytelling part, enhance the hell out of it with audio graphics. We want to hear birds chirping, add it in, you know, different sound effects and stuff like that that's on brand. What are the elements of the brand? Whether well, the brand colors have a brand guide so that they know these are the colors, these are the hex codes, the numbers that actually paste it into different programs and get that result? Here's the transitions that we use and X, Y, and Z, how to use all that stuff. If you don't know how to explain this, how you do it, if you edit your own videos and stuff, record yourself. You don't have to have a camera on, just screen record it and talk through it. Turn that into a training video. But you need to understand it, not just be able to point to other people's videos that you like and say, make this. I want it to look like that. What is an example of your videos with your face and your quirks and your processes What defines excellence to you? So in our company, we have what we call the, uh, or not what we call, but we have one of our core values that's called we execute everything in excellence. What is the standard of excellence? How do we achieve that? By making sure that we're hitting these marks for our consistency, for the audio, for the video, for the look, for the vibe, for the essence. I don't mind things being added in that are funny, like when it's tasteful and stuff like that. Those are the things that I want because... That brings our videos to a level of excellence and it's meeting those requirements. All right, so let's get into the main point number two for this, implementing project management tools and software. Tools and software are part of the systems. They are the biggest part of the systems because if it's not easy for people to use, it's not easy for them to remember, it doesn't matter what it is because nobody remembers it. It's irrelevant. And if it's too hard to use or too complicated or it's just too clunky, then it's not working. And just because something works for you as an entrepreneur doesn't mean it's going to work great for somebody else. Or if the team is struggling, this is a pro tip early on. If the team is struggling to use something and we did this with a couple payment tools uh, so the work can be tracked so they can get paid uh, with their old. But if it is great for me and I'm getting all the reports and stuff that I want and whatever it makes payroll easy to connect with our systems and stuff, but it sucks for them, it doesn't work. So it has to be able to meet all the different standards and stuff that you need. Uh, and so the project management tools, systems and software and stuff like that, that you use, it matters a lot. I would encourage you don't just stick with a project man- management tool because you've always used it or whatever. It may be best to, to change it. I used to use Trello uh, and then I was like, you know what, this is not working uh, or this is not doing it for me. I tried ClickUp and I think ClickUp to a point was was for me personally now, for what I wanted to do with it, it just was awful. It just was not working. And for other people, they love it. And everybody has their different things. It just depends. For the kind of work that we do in the business and the nature of our work, Asana works best. So explore the different tools of things that are not just great for you and what you would need uh, when you're assigning work. It's always, it's, you know, super easy. But how does that fit and connect with your other tools? Does it give you all the little plugins and notifications, bells and whistles? All of them uniquely offer something different but they're all pretty good. You have tools like Trello, Monday, Asana, ClickUp. All those are great, but for our business, Asana works best. And I hands down, I don't care what other ones I've tried and we have tried them, Asana works best. It just helps to keep things system and streamlined and easy to execute. The other thing is utilizing features uh, like task assignments to meet the deadlines and have progress tracking. Because if you have a deadline in your mind, but your team isn't aware of, then it doesn't matter and it doesn't exist. So that's why I said, like, make sure it works for both ends. What are they seeing on their end? How are things working? For example, I only used to schedule Monday through Friday U.S. time. Well, my team is based in the Philippines, so I need to now work through it. I'm like, okay, what do they need to see? So they don't always see something that looks late or it doesn't look like it's a day behind. And so uh, we change things. So it's things are only scheduled Sunday through Thursday so that when they sign in, they're only seeing a Monday through Friday because they always have the weekends off. And there's no exceptions to that. The weekends are always off. Under no circumstances do we work on the weekends. It's just a company standard and it's a company promise to make sure that everybody lives a fruitful life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we work hard but we also going to play and rest and relax hard as well. And so that's important. So those are some of the things to pay attention to and then utilizing the project management tools for file sharing, feedback and gathering. Meaning when you upload your video files, what is your team seeing? Again, what are you using? How easy is it for them to access stuff? We use Dropbox. A lot of people like to use Dropbox, Google Drive, or even Box.com, I think it is. Those are great, but does it have a clean user interface? Is it easily accessible to everybody? Are there any requirements based on maybe where somebody lives and stuff? For the most part, the answer to all those questions are no. So it's just a matter of how effective you are in your systems. How I used to use Dropbox when it was just me, is vastly different than the systems and the way we have stuff that is way more organized and way more efficient because I had to adapt and change in order to best serve my team so we could best serve our different elements and the stuff that we need to do in the business. Now, whether you're working with a team or not, you still need this next thing that we're going to be talking about in this week's Gear Fix. This week's Gear Fix is brought to you by Autopod. This is actually a software that works for Adobe Premiere Pro. I wish that this worked on Final Cut Pro, but it is so amazing. If you are using and creating podcasts, whether it's for clients or for yourself, it could be both. I highly encourage you to use this. What this does is it uses AI technology so it can choose between like the guest and the host or whatever, automatically cuts all the gaps out. And it makes sure that when you're going through the podcast, it's basically doing the rough cut for you. So you don't have to, this is amazing. I have friends that have been using this for the time that it's been uh, available and they swear by it. And i S I've seen it in action. I'm like, dang, that looks good. I wish that was available. And so now you can cut down on 30, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour's worth of your time by letting this thing do a rough cut for you. So you don't have to, and if you are a final cut or using any kind of other program, there's a, 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 program called ReCut. I think they give you so many hours or maybe so much time or whatever for free. And then you have to, I think it's paid like $99 for forever. Um, that is definitely something that I'm looking investing in for, for us in our business, but I do want to make sure that number one, it's going to be supported. And again, for any of these new tools and stuff that's coming up, but dag do these look amazing. So if you're editing videos yourself or you have a video editor, use this. Recut won't do the AI stuff for you to (laughs) pick between the the main person and the, and the, the the host and the co-host. But what it will do is cut out all the gaps for you. So again, you're getting a better rough cut from all the pauses and extra stuff. And you can always re-add that stuff in editing. It transitions and open that file. Uh, like for example, I tried it in Final Cut Pro. It works amazing. So try Autopod or try ReCut and that is your gear fix for the week. All right. So we have talked about designing a video production workflow, implementing project management tools and software. But the other thing is that I forgot to tell you before we went to the gear fix segment is that when it comes to uploading the videos, we uh, have transitioned from just using Dropbox alone to Dropbox replay. What Dropbox Replay does is if you are familiar with Frame.io, it's a tool that most freelance video editors would use. They upload their video projects. They'll send the link to the client for them to review and leave notes on for the changes that they want. They can see it um, and then that integrates with their editing software and then from there, they're able to go ahead and, and make the changes and it makes it very seamless. Well, once... I brought on an editor for, for for the team and I was like, is this working for you with us just using Dropbox or it's kind of slow or Dropbox would introduce errors that are not in the real file when you download it and stuff. Then we just would decide like, you know what, this isn't working, let's try Dropbox Replay and it's worked out great for us. And so that's part of the systems and efficiencies to make sure that when I do go through and I'm making changes and stuff, I can circle something on the screen leave notes and the like, or mark it into an approved status, download it and move on. And so those are the systems and stuff. It's not just assigning work, but the review process that moves you into the post-production phase as well. Main point number three here is optimizing your video publishing and distribution. This is where your virtual assistant now comes into play. Because when it comes to creating a content calendar for you to publish your videos, a, having a schedule is good for you. It's great for you, number one, especially if you're somebody that's afraid of having commitments, or if it's someone that is like you just you you want to do it when you feel like it, you know, or you have a loose schedule essentially. Uh, and I've operated that way for for a long time, so I'm aware of it. And I've also uh, adhered to a strict schedule, um, so I'm used. To, I've done that as well. My thing is at having a regular schedule, even if. Let's say you don't publish Tuesdays at 2 p.m. all the time or whatever, because it didn't used to be subscribe buttons on YouTube. So you had to have <laughs> and publish it everywhere, brand it, adhere to it. So everybody would know when to come back to the channel because you didn't even you had to go off of RSS feed, just old school YouTube. But now you don't you have notifications sent to your phone and all of that. But when you come to creating a content calendar for uh, video publishing, the planning and the scheduling for the video release dates helps your team to know when should I be tech- checking for this file? So right now what we're operating off of is the upload by Wednesday for sure so that we can start working, get the, re- the file reviewed, and then move into the file being done so by the Monday of the next week the podcast is done. But for example, yes, things happen. You drop the ball or whatever. You guys know it's not any secret. to have stage four endometriosis, and it's not always easy to adhere to that. But at the same time, I do my darnish to make sure that we are getting that before. So it's not any last minute work. And so making sure we push that back far enough makes it make sense. Coordinating video topics and themes for different marketing campaigns. So when we were working on the book and it was just like going through the writing phase, I'm going off of an outline of by these dates, this is what we should be working on. If things get off and out of alignment, we're using tools like Slack to stay in communication about what's happening, what should be happening, what's falling behind, what do we need to change so that we can refine the system. The most important thing that I'll say about all of this that we've recently made a change in is when it comes to the video publishing. When I would go out of town and I'm doing a talk, so like an event like Social Media Marketing World, I spoke at, you know, people with video. I've gone out to do uh, and spoke at the event, the mastermind event with Ray Edwards. When I'm going out of town and I'm doing one of these talks and one of these events and stuff, sometimes, again, like I just get hit from the the physical strain of it all. When I get back home and I just don't feel well. A few times when I came back home, we had just enough content to go through. Plus our reserve stuff that we have on our board uh, so that when we're running low or somebody finishes early or whatever, or something it just doesn't take as long as we thought. There's still work on the board that can be done, this kind of evergreen stuff. Or it's like a month out, you so know, rush on this, but it needs to be out and done by X, Y, and Z month, like two, two months out in advance, for example. But what we found is that when I go out of town, stuff falls apart because if I'm the main talent for the videos, there's nobody else to record for me. And either I don't get to it to get as much content as should be to get us through the week and then the week afterwards, Then if I'm sick for a week, it's like, well, we out of content. We did all the other stuff. It's like, dad, what should we do? And it's like, okay. So I brought the team in for us to discuss this. So I'm like, what do we really need to do? And we came up with a three-week content plan. So that if I'm planning to go out of town, I need to have three weeks worth of content. So that's the week that I'm planning to go out or the week I'm traveling because I'm getting my clothes ready. I'm finishing any appointments. I'm doing all the stuff that needs my reviews, stuff that only I can do for that week. And I'm usually distracted, so it's not a great week for me to record content. So I need content for that week. I need content for the week that I'm actually gone because once I'm gone, I'm gone. I will usually make videos while I'm away, but I can't always upload that while I'm there because sometimes the internet sucks or the connection messes up or whatever. And so it may be something that I upload once I get home, but it's not something that I have at the moment, you know, to upload or whatever. So those videos don't exist until they do as far as them being uploaded. That's that week (laughs) worth of content. Then we have a third week for that content so that as soon as I get back home, like usually I'm getting back on like Thursday, Friday, or whenever during the week, it could be Tuesday, Wednesday for all I care. I don't want to have to record. I don't want to feel rushed to make content as soon as I get back home. So what I'll decide to do is now with this three week content plan that gives me free space to catch my breath. And if I do record by that third week, Then what's great about that is, number one, we're not rushing for content. We have time for it. That's not to abuse that time, but it's just to make sure everybody has enough work to last them during that time. And nobody's stuck waiting on me uh, because as the entrepreneur, if you're being the bottleneck, nothing else moves. And the organization can only move at the speed of the leader. And if the leader is being sluggish, slow, and in the way, The whole business is sluggish slow and it's not working. It's not being efficient and it's not being effective. So when you start working on your video processes and your systems, it makes everything else operate and move more smoothly. Those are some tips uh, and some things that you can take. Take some of the stuff of what I've learned in my business that we've implemented. Some of the things I've taught and trained with clients and whatnot. uh, Stuff I've trained even at, at, at events and stuff when people are asking, how do we do this? Like, you know what you do. But you don't know how to transfer that to somebody else for them to do it. So delegating feels hard. I used to be in that same boat and it did used to feel exhausting and frustrating because I was trying to figure all these things out. And so once I figured those things out, you know, you're working with mentors and coaches and you're investing in um, courses and products and tools and all this stuff to help get the things done. It's like, okay, this makes sense. So <laughs> it's like, this is so much easier. Life is much better now with delegation and with effective systems that actually Work so start looking at the stuff that you're doing in your business, and start creating systems around it. Even if you don't have somebody hired yet, you could be a few months away from it. Don't wait until you got somebody and then you're going to try to figure stuff out. Start doing and fixing stuff now. Clean that stuff up so that you are are testing your systems before they get there because they're going to be the ultimate test, and you still will probably need to refine it. But at least now you have a good jump start on all of that. But that's what I'm gonna leave you for this week's episode of the Video Simplified podcast, and I'm gonna end it. With a quote that I love to end all of our shows, the winds of life blows on us all, but it is how you set your sails. So set your sails accordingly. With that, guys, Louvi passion. I'll see you on the next episode of the Video Simplified podcast. Take care. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, but the value doesn't stop there. For more in-depth trainings, courses, and growing your brand using video, join the Video Simplified community at videosimplified.live.